Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast, hosted by me, Monty Walden. Today, we're in the Marche region on northeast Italy's Adriatic coast. My guest is Gianluca Garofoli of the Garofoli Winery, and as Gianluca has a lot to say, we'll divide this Italian wine podcast into two parts. Gianluca, welcome. Grazie, welcome, buongiorno a tutti. Okay, now tell us a little bit about your family winery because it is one of the most historic in the in the market. Yeah, um, actually I'm in the fifth generation of Garofoli Winery. Our winery is a, for sure is a family winery with uh, my uncle, my father, sister, cousin, mother. So it's a... Uh, so it's totally a, unlike an Italian winery, yeah? Yeah, it's a DOCG uh, family winery. Our beginning starts in uh, 1901, so it's uh, more than a century ago in market region. So we are 100% market region with uh, family. So what did your family used to grow the crops historically? Yes, absolutely. Like what? Olives, wheat, uh, a lot of um, different things coming from the countryside, like it was uh, more than a century ago. So in terms of the modern history of the winery, what, is, what has been going on? What, what is your role? My role, actually, I'm uh, um, officially the, the sales manager. Okay. But uh, every, every year I see that my responsibilities uh, grow a lot. Uh, so I see that uh, during the day I try to do something about sales, but then I speak with bankers and I speak about strategies or uh, something that uh, happens in the, at the winery. Okay, so tell us about the, the vineyards. How many hectares do you have and where are the vines? So we have um, 50 hectares uh, owned and then we have 15 hectares uh, rented. We have two wineries. One is uh, in, um, in Loreto, next to the, to the seaside, in the corner area. And the second one is in um, Serra de Conti, in the Verdicchio area. Okay, so tell us a little, let's start with the Verdicchio. That's a white wine. Yeah, absolutely. So Verdicchio dei Castelli di Iesi. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your wines from Verdicchio, made from Verdicchio. But actually, uh, Verdicchio for us, it's uh, the most important white grape variety, uh, if not the only one. Mm, we make uh, many different wines uh, using 100% Verdicchio because uh, um, Garofoli family never tried any other different uh, varietals to blend with Verdicchio, so we are 100% Verdicchio. So you never went international? Never, never and never. And uh, was, that the fam- was that just the family philosophy? Was it for quality? Um, you think, listen, we have, a great, we have Italy's greatest white grape, uh, Verdicchio, why do we need to add, say, Chardonnay or Sauvignon? Is absolutely, that- absolutely. This is the idea. In fact, um, when Verdicchio in the 70s uh, was considered just a cheaper white wine from Italy. My uncle, the winemaker, and my father never thought for a single uh, minute to add the Chardonnay or to add uh, anything else to Verdicchio. But the job uh, they did is just to improve the quality of Verdicchio, and that's it. And to focus on on this grape varietal. Okay, one of your one of your best known wines is the Podium. Yeah, why yes. the Verdicchio Podium? Why do you call it Podium? Because uh, when my uncle uh, tasted uh, the, the the final blend of this uh, wine. He said that this wine will be always on the podium. This is the, our podium. So they are your top uh, top performer. Yes, 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 absolutely. Because um, this is a, a result of 20 years of uh, stud- studies on the vineyard, 
and uh, at the cellar. Well, what, about the, what about the terroir, the soil types? What, is, what, what makes the soil so well adapted in the, in the local microclimate to the Viticchio grape in the market in, in um, the Yezi area? In Yezi, we, where we are, in Serra de Conti and Monte Garotto, is an ancient seabed. Uh, so it was com- fully covered by the Adriatic Sea. We still find um, a lot of uh, you know, particular rocks uh, uh, with some shells in, uh, under the ground. Seashells? Yes, yeah, seashells. And fossils and things like and that. And fossils, yes. It's, um, it's basically a vineyard that is a uh, 400 meters elevation, even though the average of uh, is 200 meters, so it's quite high. Um, we have a good concentration of, uh, of clay. And uh, probably this effect of uh, an ancient seabed that gives a lot of minerality to, to the grape, uh, to the grape right of Verdicchia. So what about in terms of the winemaking? I mean, the idea of not oaking the podium. Yeah. Why do you, why do you not um, add a little bit of oak to the Vidicchio? But because, uh, you know, I think the final uh, result of, uh, of my uncle, the winemaker, was to make a pure Vidicchio without any other influences. Even though I love the Barrique version of uh, Vidicchio after 20 years, I think that the podium, uh, it's, uh, it's just fantastic because, uh, you know, it's just Vidicchio. It's a pure Vidicchio. Okay, tell us a little bit about your single vineyard. It's a beautiful estate where, as I said, uh, you have a very good elevation, so you have a very nice uh, difference in temperature during the night and during the day. From there you see literally the Adriatic Sea, so it's a very nice piece of land. The clay is very important, especially during uh, very warm vintages, because it keeps the humidity and uh, it results in having good bunches, even very difficult um, vintages. And um, in this single vineyard, from what my uncle said, because it doesn't it doesn't really say all the things you know he said the secret of um, this vineyard is uh, the diversity of the clones because when we selected the clones many many years ago in the 70s he decided on purpose to even uh, have in the same single vineyard even the wrong clones the clones that they they develop like viruses this uh, population that is uh, that is quite high that we basically replant every years when we need to replant it, it so this is a, this is a secret of a podium. So what do the what do the viruses do? They they lower the yield. The viruses. Why do you keep the virus vines? Do they produce slightly smaller grapes? Because uh, because yes, they they make a different a different grape. They make a different wine. And uh, and uh, we we select we do the micro vinifications knowing where these clones are. Okay, some people would think you're very crazy. Yes, you know? absolutely, yeah. absolutely very crazy. It happened uh, for a purpose and for a, a kind of a mistake at the beginning because. Uh, Apparently, my uncle lost track of these uh, 90 different clones, so he recognized later which were the viruses, and he said, "Okay, now they are part of this great uh, parcel, so we keep uh, we keep all of them." So, what if I'm having a bottle of your Verdicchio unoaked to the podium? What am I going to be eating? A podium, I think, an important fish preparation and some spices too, because uh, even you know, even Asian spices, I think this is a great uh, white wine to be matched with, uh, you know, imposing fish preparations and particular spices too. Okay, let's talk about the red, talk about um, Rosso Piceno mm-hmm. and uh, Rosso Conoro. Yes. What is the difference between the two? But for sure, is uh, in our case, is that uh, for Rosso Conoro, we use 100% Montepulciano. Instead of uh, with uh, Rosso Piceno, we blend with 30% of Sangiovese. So it results in a totally different body, because uh, the Sangiovese here in market region has less body and gives fruitiness to the wine. Instead of the Montepulciano, has a lot of tannins, has a lot of structure. 
especially when you work it with 100%. So it, we have two different style of wines, even though the Montepulciano base is very strong, it's very important. What is Conero and where is it? And why is it such a special terroir for the Montepulciano grape? Conero is a Greek name. In fact, Ancona is, uh, was uh, one of the two cities founded by the Greeks in the Magna Grecia on the Adriatic Sea. And uh, when they, the Greeks went to this mountain, they saw a lot of little berries, red berries, called Kumaros. Kumaros, Conero is the actual name. So this is the origin of the name of Conero. And the berries were small because it's a very dry terroir, it's very yes, hard for the vine yes, to survive. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's, a, it's an incredible terroir because it's a mountain that slopes into the sea. It's a basically a piece of chalk that slopes into the sea. In our single vineyard, the 50% of the soil is chalk. With one producer, we were joking because, oh, you have the vineyards on cement because it's basically, this is the national park of Conero. You have the elevation, you have the exposure to the south, uh, east, southwest. To the, over the Adriatic? Over yeah. the Adriatic is a marine Montepulciano. And, uh, and this is, uh, this is uh, I think, uh, the most peculiar thing of the Montepulciano from Conero area. And another peculiar thing is that um, uh, northern bound of Conero, it uh, ends the subcontinental weather. From the south slopes, of the corner starts the Mediterranean weather. So it's the northern boundary where it starts the Mediterranean weather in Italy. So you're saying it's less hot there then? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, it's uh, fresh, it's very normal that there is wind and during the night it's, uh, it's cooler, absolutely cooler comparing to the to the beaches, uh, maybe 10 kilometers south or, or north. So it's, uh, it's really a microclimate, very, very important. And the corner, there is a national park where you have a lot of chalk and then there is a a little bit wider area that is more clay and we have different estates from the that one in the national park with chalkiness we have an incredible amount of tannins that we don't see when we work in the corner area in the clay the clay is parked so when you say how steep is it is it very difficult to work there is it dangerous working there actually it's not so steep it's not so steep the difficult part is the chalkiness that you basically break all your uh, tractors and whatever because it's, it's very complicated and then it's a national park so you have a lot of um, wild boars and you have a lot of people uh, eating the bunches during the season and then uh, tourists in, uh, tourists and you have Ephesians it's uh, it's uh, quite complicated it's quite complicated do you have to put Netting around the vineyards for the boar and the pheasants. Yes, yes, we try, but then uh, you know some people they cut uh, those and, uh, and they're just, not Just why don't you just shoot the tourists? Do yes, just we just yeah. yes, yes. They leave start the, the harvest. They start the harvest. Leave the boar. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. true. Okay. What is your top Conoro bottling called? It's the Grosso Agontano. So what does Grosso Agontano mean? Grosso Agontano. Agontano is the ancient name of Ancona. So when it was Greek, yeah, the Greek yes. name. Yeah? And uh, when it was Greek, the actual name was Ancon. That means elbow. If you see the shape of, uh, of the, the map, you see Ancona is literally an elbow. Yeah, you do see it. When you look at the map of Italy, you can just see that little Yeah, elbow. and Ancon means in Greek language uh, elbow. Okay. Uh, but Agontano was probably in between Ancon and Ancona. And Grosso was the coin because Ancona was one of the sm- small republic of the sea, like Genoa, Venezia. So when you were a republic from the sea, you could print your own uh, currency, money. And the Grosso Agontano was uh, the most important currency of Ancona. So we wanted to, to give this name to our most important red wine, the Grosso Agontano. 
Fantastic. Okay, what about ageability of the Conor Reds? But it's absolutely important. Uh, we now, t- we are in 2017 and we start from 1993. Uh, so we are talking about more than 20 years. And it depends on the on the vintages a lot, though. It's uh, it's not like Verdicchio that is more constant to have. More consistent. Yeah. More consistent. The, the Rosso Conor is very inconsistent during the vintages because the proximity to the sea that being, brings a lot of humidity and because uh, you have to harvest uh, in, in the late of, of October. So you're saying Montepulciano is a late ripening grape? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, comparing to Sangiovese, for example, uh, there are three weeks at least uh, difference in between the harvesting of the two. So but this fact that we have to wait in the end of October, so you maybe have a lot of rain. You know, we have uh, maybe great uh, winters or autumns, and sometimes it starts to rain. And What's the hard part about selling um, Verdicchio wine? I mean, it's, it's very well known. The name is well known. Obviously, in the 70s, it was a very famous wine you know how easy is it i mean it is italy's finest white wine grape i understand your your point and um, there is not a real um, a real um, answer for that because verdicchio is well known but it's well known to be a very young white wine is, when, it, is it a problem with the fact that it's on the seaside and and where the market is it's like kind of almost like where italians take their holidays the idea that they just it's a hot day you're on the beach you have a bottle of white wine for lunch and you have a verdicchio even though it can age for 10 15 20 years quite easily absolutely verdicchio can be a very young white white wine and can be a 30 years old white wine so it's very confusing for a consumer because uh, uh, people of a certain age 60s 50s uh, they think Verdicchio is just a young white wine like it could be a Pinot Grigio for example the new generations they know that Verdicchio can age incredibly well but they won't they won't have the time they don't have the patience to see it age they do yes we we want everything now yes like a text message you know exactly how do you get around that with your winemaking what do you do or do you not have to do anything is it that versatile as a grape but I think uh, the we think uh, when we make the wines uh, since we make a lot of different wines with the same grape variety we have a, a wine for everybody That's go on, the give point. us the names of those go on you make, do you make a sparkling wine absolutely absolutely for us we are very proud because we started in the 50s to make Charmat method with Verdicchio and in the 70s uh, classical method with Verdicchio so that's Charmat method, that's kind of made in the same way as Prosecco and the classic method is made in the same way as Champagne? Absolutely. And in those years when we started, we didn't have the, the, the machineries to make a Metodo Classico. So during the night we went, uh, actually not myself, I'm too young, but uh, my grandfather and my uncle, the winemakers, they went with the, the bottles of uh, Brut Metodo Classico upside down. They went to a fish distributor because they, they put the bottles in the ice among fishes <laughs> and they made the Gourgeman. That was 1972. Fantastic. Yeah. I wish we had like a little video of that. That'd be that would be, yes. Yeah. yes. Amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, that's, and I love the way that you got that link with the fish as well, because it's obviously like a seafood area as well. Oh, yes, yes. Market region, a lot of seafood. Classic. Okay, well, we can do, um, we can maybe create a sketch about that, like a little a comedy show with the two guys going out in the middle of the night with their little bottles of uh, sparkling wine. Yeah. Well, that was part one of this Italian wine podcast with Gianluca Garofoli from the Marche. Don't forget to tune into part two with Gianluca and me, Monty Walden. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.